Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Unknown Mining Podcast. My name is Aaron Hanshi, and I'm your host today on Friday, March 11th. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Andrew Thompson. He's a career entrepreneur and is the current president and director for Palomino Corp. He's worked on projects across the world, currently in Peru, but uh, through his career, he's worked throughout Latin America. And I'm happy to have Andrew on the on the show today. Nice meeting you, Aaron. Nice to meet you, too. So, Andrew, as you might know, uh, this is the Unknown Mining Podcast, and we like to talk about things that we don't always talk about, things that don't get discussed, things that are not secrets, but just not taught. So what is, to you, what's something that's unknown in the, in the world of mining? Well, this is a PDAC week normally, so I thought I would talk about prospectors because we, we sort of forgotten about them and their role in our industry. And uh, I think really uh, looking back to when I started in the 90s, uh, I can remember being at the Royal York and uh, an Inuit gentleman uh, dressed in a parka looked down at me from the top and, you know, I was in the lobby and there's sort of an upper level. He looked down at me and he gave me this odd look. And I'd been talking to a bunch of people and I'm obviously on the promotion finance side and there's a set of stairs and he sort of looked at me and pointed at me. Then he walked down the stairs and he stood and he was about six foot three and he was just staring at me and I'm looking at him and he pulled a rock out of his pocket and handed it to me. And, (laughs) you know, it was a very interesting moment because he only spoke a gluck duck, you know, and so I had to find... My sister was in the industry and she was working in a Callaway at the time, but I had to find somebody that spoke a gluck duck and then I had to sit down with them and sort through it. But it gives you an idea of the you know, people. For me, it's mainly precious metals, you know, that I've dealt with specifically gold. And uh, most of the prospectors that have approached us are either gold, silver bugs. And it's just one of those moments. And, and you know, the PDAC has obviously grown away from the Royal York to the, the main center, but I really find it uh I guess I, I miss those those moments where it was more about, uh, you know, trying to find things as opposed to make payments. You know what I mean? It's more rare at the conferences like like PDEC and, and things like that for a random prospector to approach you and give you a rock. Yeah. And well, but they still, Quebec does a fairly good job of it. They, they award, you know, they have a different setup where, again, it's become a little more clinical and there's actually prospectors who set up at the show. But, you know, it's, it's, it's really become more of a... Uh, a trade show than a, a prospecting, you know, I, I sort of miss the the moments where you get these people, you know, the, the whole get rich quick scheme, you know, that are actually devoted or can't stay away from it. I, I miss that side of the business. It's kind of a crazy form of gambling. If you think about it, I've been reading a little well, bit of Jack London and yeah. call the wild author. I can't escape the fact that almost all of his Yukon stories are basically driven by people who have gold fever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you still find gold fever exists among prospectors in the modern era? Well, I haven't, so I'm 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 a long-term sufferer. Uh, well, we had a prospector in Mexico who we he kind of he was what we call a coyote, and he 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 held the title from us, so we had to pay him a fair amount of money, which was fine. But he turned around and spent all of the money that we gave him on claiming more ground. And he staked from Puerto Vallarta all the way down to Guerrero. He had more ground than anybody that I knew. And it was always fascinating because no matter where I was, he somehow could find me to look for more money to do more, you know, more prospecting. And so those guys, you know, the, the generational aspect is still alive and well in Canada and you still see in Africa, you know, they're doing it more for sustenance, but the days when there were sort of generational families in Latin America, the, you know, they're more, kids are more interested in TikTok. 
than they are, uh, you know, looking for gold in, in my mind. And so we don't see that, that same in Guadalajara where we sort of first set up, we actually had a formula where we write reports for people and give them a few assays. And we would have 30 guys coming in a week with rocks. It didn't, you know, they just knew that they might be able to make it rich. So that, that, and you would think at today's gold price, you'd see more of it, but it's, it's, it's a changing game. And, you know, it's just the way it is. I would sort of equate it to Vegas. You know, when the mob was running it, you could make money. Now it's the Cirque du Soleil shows. I mean, well, they've gone bankrupt now because of COVID. But those, you know, 65% the shows, the gambling is, is less, a, less a player. And, you know, if you make money, they throw you out of the casino, right? So it's, a, it's just a different way of looking at the world. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, when it comes to Vegas, you're not you, the, the gambler, the player. You're not winning anything. You're not taking home anything. Well, no, I, I think I think you can win. I, I just think the odds are much different than they used to be. They've, they've it's become, you know, in blackjack they used to have a three deck shoe. Now it's a twelve deck shoe or whatever it is with, you know, a, a, an automatic machine that uh, shuffles it every time you. You know, it's impossible to to strategically count and make money. You know, it's just your odds have gone down. So you know, in some ways, losing the prospector, and I say losing, maybe that's not accurate, but. Uh, just having people that are walking around. I don't believe at all that the, the surface deposits in the world have been found. I've had just too many experiences where you walk over a hill and you find something new. You know, I think, I think that's a misnomer. I do think satellite data and LIDAR imaging and all these things is adding to be, being able to identify good areas, but I still think the world's wide open. And I, I feel, you know, maybe with this uh, uptick in gold price, we'll see more prospectors come forward. You know, maybe we'll, we'll see a resurgence in it, especially, I think probably more so in, in Africa, less so in Scandinavia, if that makes any sense, you know. How would you say that you've seen the evolution shift uh, in, in your field areas? You said you work primarily in, in Latin America. Well, we're working right now in a, in a belt in uh, southeastern Peru, which is, in my opinion, underexplored. And there's a an area called Madre de Dios, where they put in an intercontinental highway and it's caused a, a, a gold rush. And it's very significant. I think in the belt in there, they're producing about 2 million ounces, but the governments, uh, particularly in Peru, they're, they're trying to formalize the miners. And so where I think things have changed for the prospectors, they used to get away with more. And the odd part is you see these television shows now that, you know, they've got the Australian metal detectors and the Canadian guys. And, you know, it's a, it's a, I, I'm not too fond of it because it makes our industry look amateurish, you know, and, uh, but, you know, I really think at the end of the day, the, the concept that you can find a gold vein and, and strike it rich, like as they, you know, where, you know, I think California was probably the best place for that or, you know, during the California gold rush that willingness is, is still there, but it's, it's just become, in some cases, I would say more sophisticated, but it's become more expensive at the end of the day. It's harder to uh, subsist doing it as well. Do you, just for example, in the Puno Orogenic Gold Belt in, in yeah. Southeast Peru, are you seeing the same level of excitement that maybe brought people all the way across North America, like a California gold rush? Are you seeing- Well, we, we have a statement where they've, the informals have ground truthed it. And so we call it, uh, shadow of head frame exploration without the head frame because they tend to burrow to the side of the hill and they're not too sophisticated what we're running into a lot of and this is i think everybody will attest to this is the aboriginals globally are becoming people call it woke but the reality is they're not really interested in finding uh, mineralization they're interested in building a road and want payment up front you know the, i think the big sea change for 
most of the companies dealing with prospectors, even when they go out to prospects, is organizing community relations and being able to work in these jurisdictions has become much more difficult. And, you know, it really, there's a lot of people setting precedent where they go in and overpromise, underdeliver, and we run into that a lot. So even if you have a prospector with a good prospect, bringing it forward has become much more expensive and more difficult. So that's part and parcel with prospectors not being as, uh, you know, the, the, they're having to mine their own. In, in our particular area, there's, a lot, there's about 2 million ounces that are produced. It's a significant number in, in the gold belt or the organic belt we're in and in Madre de Dios below it, the basin. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, they, they've started having cooperatives, you know, to get away from the illegal mining. And there's a formalization process that way. But for the most part, you know, they've had to bring the army in to shut down. You know, they're, they're filling some of the streams up with the cyanide or mercury. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's an interesting world because as the gold price has gone up, uh, they've become more and more active. But it's not, there's no level of sophistication at this stage. Yeah, that's a good point when you talk about the social license to operate and the social license to to um, basically work in territory that doesn't necessarily belong to you. Uh, do you find that it's been useful to work with locals and local prospectors moreover than than bringing in sort of expats and and Americans, Canadians, Europeans, wherever? Well, we I've hired both Canadian prospectors and Latin American prospectors to help. Uh, you know, just walk the ground essentially. And it has been helpful. The, the issue again at hand is that you start getting into, it's become very political. So if you, I had a, a play in Honduras in Olancho and we went out with the group and uh, we hired the wrong guy. And even though it was his ground, there was a, a bit of a, you know, internal war going on and somebody started taking shots at us with a shotgun. You know, we had to get out of there pretty quick. Yeah, I get out of there pretty and quick. The, you know, it was like the clampets, you know, there, nobody got along and, and there was a feud over this one area and we were unaware of it. And again, it was a guy trying to sell us a, something he owned, but the, <clears throat> I think it might be his brother-in-law that was taking the pot shots, right? But we got out of there pretty quick. So there's, there's, there's still a lot of uh, people thinking that they have something you know, that's very special when in fact it may not be anything, right? So that, that that side of it is a bit odd. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think the more that we talk about mining, artisanal mining and and um, large-scale mining operations, it's really important to consider the the people who live where you're mining. It's really important to consider their histories, their pasts, their stories, disputed territory as such, but also providing them with uh, basically living up to the, what you promised them, right? Well, it, again, there's one prospect we like right now in Peru, and the guy staked it in 1987, I think, but he used the money. He was the mayor of the town at the time, and he used the money to stake it, and it's been producing for quite a while. It's very high grade, and it really, uh, we spent a, a lot of time looking at it, but you know, at the end of the day, he's now no longer allowed in his own community. And the only reason it's mm-hmm. available is because the local guys, when the price of gold went down and he kept taking the same money out, you know, so there's that, that kind of politics as well, where, you know, it's the framework of how uh, in, you know, since the age of information, we, they, you know, people can now look at what other people are doing. And again, in our area, it's somebody who goes in and pays a large amount of money, you know, to get something done. And then it sets a precedent everywhere else. And we we're getting away. I think prospecting, you know, previously was more about, uh, you know, sifting through all the opportunities and finding the one that made sense and then working with the prospector to bring it forward and having a deal where everybody was happy. Now 
there's just a lot of peripheral third party uh, things that come into play, which make it that much more difficult. Yeah, I understand. I guess I guess I get that. But then looking forward for the prospector, or maybe from your perspective, what do you think a prospector should be in the modern era? And, and who would well, you hire now? There's a few people that I've worked with that recognize geology, and they're much cheaper than sending out geos, and they, they have a different sensibility in terms of finding something. And I've used one person in particular in an area of Mexico where they really understand what... Uh, what sorts of outcrops we need to see and, you know, the dimensions, et cetera. And it's just, and don't take this the wrong way because I know you're a geologist, but this guy has it in his blood. And if you send him out, he doesn't charge a lot and he'll spend three weeks walking up and down hills, you know, and, and we sort of, I think we're getting away from that in a weird way because we, we, it's not that the fire is not there. It's just, we're conditioned to think that, these prospects no longer exist. And the prospector is a true believer. Like he just thinks it's over the next hill and he keeps going. So I do think that there's a real role there. In addition to which, if you look at, you know, the prospectors in Quebec that have had real success, they now understand the models and, and they're, they're much more sophisticated in the way that they put their reports together. And they're, and they're not, uh, you know, they're effectively small exploration companies, right? And, and when you get, I think it's the Bjorkmans, there's a couple of different groups up there that I've, talk to through other people and you know it's pretty impressive what they can come up with and they're kind of creating their own little dynasties where they have their own formulas that work a lot better than you know ours and so you know I, I still think the, the prospect is not going anywhere but I don't think it's as I think it's much more difficult because I just don't think you're going to strike it rich the way you used to there's just too many stages beyond that where you kind of get diluted out of the deal when you go to Africa you'll see much more you know, when you talk about alluvial, especially, there's more of that urbana or, you know, the area that we're in, you can make a living doing it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I guess then it sounds like the best prospector would be a hybrid prospector geologist with sort of endless optimism. Well, again, I'm talking primarily about precious metals, but I also think that there's new techniques. You know, some of these metal detectors, you see these... Uh, these guys in Australia where they go into old camps and they're able to sift through old tailings and find big nuggets, this sort of stuff. I think, I think there is a technological aspect where more, more so on the small mining, like some of these uh, concentrators that they're selling for very little money. You know, we see it in uh, two of the streams we're in. There's some guys, you know, they've got the vacuum vacuuming out the silt, you know, sifting through. They've got a small... You know, it's like a Honda trash pump, you know, and they're, they're making good money doing it. And one of the guys, you know, again, on the, in Windshear, which is a company that we hold and there was a 56 gram nugget, like, you know, these are, these are not small things. And the guy reported 2.5 kilos, which, you know, I find hard to believe, but you know, there are, there are prospectors who are making a living with modern equipment that really, where it really makes a difference. And they, they're going to the, the co-ops down in Madre de Dios are, getting it, you know, the whole idea is to get away from using mercury and mm -hmm. they're uh, using uh, uh, different sifters and uh, shaker tables, et cetera, you know, but they're actually, you know, small mining outfits that are, that are, are greening up for the economy. So there's all sorts of uh, new technologies that are there that help some of these guys make real money. Yeah. Well, that's always good to see the, the cleaning up of the system, uh, the process, getting rid of mercury, uh, I think we're still using plenty of cyanide when it comes to, to gold le heap leaching and different projects. But um, Andrew, I just want to thank you for your time today and for covering some of this history and the evolution of 
prospecting, what it is and what it's becoming and where it's headed. All right, great. So with that, I'd like to wrap up another episode of the Unknown Mining Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you get your, wherever you listen. And until next week, keep on exploring the unknown. <laughs>